Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Line Media presents the Olivia Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Olivia Fox Podcast. Yes, yes, y'all. Another episode in full effect. We want to thank y'all so much. You know, I say it every week, but I truly, truly mean it every time I say it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Your girl is right here. The Olivia Fox Podcast. Yes, sirree. Now, another blockbuster show. I know I say it every week, but hey, you know, if you don't blow your own thing up, who going to do it? I'm telling you, this is a great episode you guys have decided to tune into. And I'm really excited because here on the Olivia Fox podcast, we like to give flowers to those who are due. And my guest today, let me tell you something. This woman has worked with everybody. From Prince to Michael Jackson, Sade, Babyface, Fantasia, J-Lo, Jake, Jill Scott, Charlie Wilson, Alicia Keys. I could go on and on and on. She is a, I don't want to say 30 years, but multi-decade veteran of the record industry. How's that? There you go. There you go. Decades. We ain't going to start being specific, but she is uh, joining us today on the episode. Please, ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause to Sharita. Brittenham. I hope I said your name right. How are you? Absolutely right. I am really good, Olivia. Thank you. So good to see your face again. So good to see you as well. I love those frames. We just had a little conversation <laughs> in the green room about your frames. I love them. I love them. And you Thank say you, you buy them in every color to match every outfit, huh? I'm not the same frame, but I buy frames, a lot of frames. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, first, I want to say thank you because I know you're super, super busy. We were talking uh, before the episode, before we began, on how busy and where you've been going, what you're doing. So I just want people to understand your history and the things that you've been able to accomplish and really coming into the game in the record industry when there weren't a lot of women doing what you do. So if you could just give us a little background information on your history working in the record industry. Um, I actually started at a radio station in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And during that time, I was the assistant to the general manager. I worked with Johnny Walker, who was the program director at that time, uh, and promotions director. I worked with her. Um, just doing different promotions uh, around the city of Memphis or um, different things like Memphis and May and all that. Uh, But every now and then I had to sit at the front desk and answer the phone. And all of these record reps used to just roll up in there, flying in from New York, LA, Atlanta, Chicago, from everywhere. And I just, I was always curious about what it is that I kept saying, what do you guys do? Um, And, you know, I knew that they met with the program director all the time trying to get their records played. Um, Eventually, it's what I ended up doing. I I fell in love with just watching them, listening. Sometimes I got a chance to sit in on meetings and all that, and I saw how it worked. Um, I knew that they had conference calls on the regular because there were reps living in the city of Memphis that I became close with. 
So I got a chance to see what that job was all about. And I fell in love with it. And I'm going to go on and say the number 31 <laughs> plus years later. That's I'm, right. <laughs> I'm still a record rep. That is what I, I finally <laughs> dived in there. And it was hard. Um, getting in there it took me about three years. Um, it was definitely a boys club and it was really something trying to work my way in there, but I would never give up. I would fly here, there on my own dime, going to interviews with Warner Brothers and uh, Motown or, or MCA records or Def Jam records. I was going everywhere trying to get a job. I was going to every Jack the Rapper, every BR Black Radio conventions, spending my own money. But with my resume in hand, with my conversation in hand, it took me about three years, but I, I, I got in there. What was the first <laughs> label that you got in with? Epic Records, 1992. And tell us a little bit, because I don't um, think people understand, what artists were around Epic at that time when you came in? When I very first started, I, I'll tell you the very first record I worked was Tony Terry, When I'm With You. That's the very first record I ever worked in my life. Now, when you say worked, what, explain to people what that means. And so what that means is as a record rep, you, um, you have meetings with, pro with radio stations, program directors, music directors. You build a relationship with the DJs and everybody. And uh, you just let them hear your record. Um, and you let them know um, if people are familiar with Billboard, say, for instance, um, and another one that they may not be familiar with, um, but everybody's familiar with Billboard. But Media Base, or back then, it was R&R, &R, Radio and Records. But you wanted to get your record added to the station's playlist so that it could go into rotation and play. So when I say I worked that record, I met with, wined and dined and had a good time and laughed and talked and built relationships around getting that Tony Terry record on the radio. Girl, I remember record reps used to roll in and take us right. out, honey. You talking yes, about eating good, eating good in the neighborhood. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> and you know what? It's crazy because, you know, I don't think people understand the close relationship between records and radio and mm -hmm. then, you know, DJs, of course, right. and how you really, when you're coming in with these different artists, how you really develop these friendships where you know these people. Yes. So when you go around with artists and try to get their, their, um, their records added to the playlist, do, did you also work a lot of the promotional tours where the artists will come in? Because I can remember, I'm going back a little bit, but I can remember Alicia Keys playing mm -hmm. at the DC Armory at the People's Expo. And mm -hmm. nobody knew who she was. She had these cornrows and she had a little uh, keys, you know, playing. And I mean, look where she is now. But it's just amazing how artists start, you know, on those promo tours and then they just blow up. Are you in part of that as well? And that's what I do. That's what I just finished doing all last week with a new young, new young lady that signed to RCA now named Victoria Monet. Uh, I just finished moving her around through Charlotte, Atlanta, doing, going to every radio station. She's doing interviews, talking about her life and her playing her new song and talking about her tour and her album that's coming, letting the world know, you know, that she's, she's making her breakthrough. But I worked with Alicia Keys as well. 
back in the wow. day. <laughs> so we probably crossed paths. You know, it's been so long. You know, and and, and I and I think it's important that you mention that because I don't think artists understand the work that goes in to build these foundations for these artists. And it's just not the artists. I mean, you've got all these other people, including yourself, that support these artists to get them to put basically put them on. And mm-hmm. then they just kind of blow up. Who is an artist that you worked with in the beginning of their co- career that just blew up that you were like so happy for them because they were such a good person to work with? John Legend, Jill Scott, B2K, Genuine. I could name Life Jennings. I, I could name all day long of people who you'd be just shocked to know, you know, no one knew who they were. But we as a company, moved them around, you know, they did what they had to do. Yes, he was with Kanye and on his label, but he was also on Columbia. And at that time, Epic and Columbia had merged to become Sony Urban. So Beyonce, uh, well, I take that back. I didn't know Beyonce. I didn't work Destiny's Child. I worked Beyonce's solo. But those those ones that I just named, John Legend, Jill Scott, B2K, Genuine, people like that, I've been with them when no one knew who they were, Olivia, or in a mall with them and we were just walking freely and shopping. I've also been in a mall with John Legend or B2K where we ended up running back. Right. The there were so a million people. Fast forward six months to a year later. Isn't that crazy? Isn't, Isn't that, that crazy? And I saw it firsthand. Mm, I remember Chris Brown. He was a little, he was a little thing, like little Usher Raymond, right? When they came out and they were little and working, you know, these concerts and parking lots. And now you see them and it's like, wow, mind blow. And it's so wonderful to see an artist evolve. Now, when you came into the industry, what were some of your big challenges? Um, hmm. I don't really recall many challenges. Um, I have just enjoyed this job um, so much. I wanted it so bad. Bobby OJ, uh, a legend out of Memphis, Tennessee, one of the uh, program directors at, at, at the oldest black radio station, WDIA, and um, you know later WHRK. Bobby OJ saw how bad I wanted this job, and he told me, "I've never." He he said, "I can tell how bad you want this." And, and to see you want this as bad as you do, he said, when you get it, and you will, you're going to do a good job. So, and here we are, 30 years later. Are. Yeah, so I have a lot of challenges. The only thing, like, lately, you know, the with getting promoted, you know, things like that, um, waiting for that. And I was just promoted back in June. Um, but just, you know, back in the day, back in the day, Back in 92 and all that, males were getting promoted faster than females. Mm, that um, sounds so familiar. That was challenging. Other, other than trying to get my records played, that was a challenge if there was a station programmer who gave me a hard time and didn't want to play my record. That was challenging. But otherwise, not so much. I mean, I pretty much... You've been you know, blessed, huh? Uh-huh. Now, I read somewhere that you were with Michael Jackson on his Dangerous tour, and you had an opportunity to go and see him do something at the Pal. Tell us a little bit about that. At, well, he, he had three days at Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium hosts 96,000 people. He sold out mm. all three days, all three nights. Um, I, what I saw him do was present Prince Charles 
uh, backstage before the show began. He had Chris Cross opening for him back then. Uh, remember the Chris little Chris Cross, yes. And uh, while they were on, I just remember him uh, presenting Prince Charles uh, with a $350,000 check to a children's hospital there in London. I was in the room. The third night, Michael, he performed great. The first and second night, third night, Michael became ill. And I ended up, we all ended up, they got all of the Epic Records and Sony Music people out of the stadium before they made the announcement to everyone else. I imagine so. Yes. <laughs> Y'all go, then we'll break it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they got us out of there and we went back to the hotel that Michael was at and they, MTV, they were interviewing like his publicist, Bob Jones, back at the time, back in the time. And um, I was standing there and they ended up interviewing me. Um, they did back then. And everybody in Mississippi was calling, oh my God, we, we saw you, we see your sister on MTV. They interviewed her. <laughs> Yeah, and you have won so many awards. You know, tell us a little bit about all the awards <laughs> you have uh, gotten yourself. Oh my God! Um, well, NABFEM, which is one Johnny Walker's National Association for Black Female Executives in Music and Entertainment, I won that as a national for Epic Records. I just won the award for the national of the year out of like all the labels. Wow. Um, but the NBPC, that um, National Black Programmers Coalition, they used to have all their meetings in New Orleans. I've won an award with them. I've won an award with, look, I'm looking at BRE, Black Radio Exclusive. <laughs> uh, look, I'm looking on my shelf trying to see. <laughs> see what all is there. Yeah. I, I mean, I've won quite a few things here lately. I, I just, um, back in June, was honored as one of the Black music moguls here in Atlanta alongside Bow Wow, Killer Mike, which I worked those artists and I was just honored along beside them. Um, wow. And Catherine Bruton uh, from BMI, I, we were all, that was just this past June. But but I've gotten just numerous awards from music, music um, meetings and just different places. Um, Tarita, tell me a little bit how technology with the advancement and evolving and changing, has that impacted your business? And if so, how? Of course, streaming. You know, a lot of people don't listen to the radio anymore. I have a 27-year-old daughter who jumps in my car and sticks her aux cord in yep. because she doesn't want to hit a radio. A lot of people are just more focused on streaming or Sirius XM when they're traveling uh, and not well, that's radio, but it's nonstop music radio, right? Um, and you get a great signal all the time. You know how you go through different cities and then you lose a radio, station. right? Right and now, now you got to scramble to find some other music to listen to. You know, cars don't have CD players in them anymore, things such as that. But Sony Music, um, and all these record companies have you know, they've combined with say Apple Music or Spotify or or uh, Tidal. Uh, they've combined with them now to be able to still reap the benefits of streaming uh, along with artist albums, but the sales are just not what they used to be. So that's right. where the it, it impacts us as a company in those different manner. We're working through it. That's for sure. Working through it's it. Working, working through it. Working through it and it's working for us. At that's point. good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Now I have heard that artists. Um, 
are going towards these influencers because I know with TikTok, a lot of times I'll hear a song on the radio that I'm familiar with, but I didn't know what song it was just because I saw it in a, in a video on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so have, do you guys do, do artists, are they, I'm, I'm sure they're aware of it, but is there an effort to go after influencers? Is there a separate department? It was like, you know what, if we can get this music on this particular influencers, uh, TikTok page, you know, is that something that's a part of the record label or do artists do that on their own? Part of, but what, what we've really been doing lately, we've been uh, where artists, uh, songs have blown up on TikTok and then they trickle back and come back to us and we go to radio with them or radio because the TikTok is so popular and so many millions of followers and all this. Uh, radio has an, a tendency to pull songs down off TikTok and they happen to be, you know, songs that blow up to be popular. Um, Have you had an artist that isn't signed, that blows up, and then the record labels are scrambling, trying to find out who this person is to get them signed? Absolutely. I'm just trying to think of who specifically. Saucy Santana. That's a good one. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I definitely want to get into the book, but I have to ask you this because I know there are artists that want to be signed. They're, they're hungry. They, this is what I want to do. Do you have advice for artists out there that are trying to get signed with a label or thinking about trying to get into the industry with you having all your decades of experience? Is there something that you could tell an artist? Make sure your music is on SoundCloud and, and Apple Get your music put up where people can start hearing it, streaming it, downloading it, listening to it, paying attention to you as an artist. Also, if you're from a city like Atlanta or or if you're from like Memphis, Tennessee or Jackson, Mississippi or Chicago, get your hometown radio stations involved. Let them, you know, get them playing your music so that now when these A&Rs are out searching for, you know, candidates to be the next signee. Um, they're looking at, if your record is streaming, they're looking at your social media pages, they're looking at your fan base, they're looking at how you're building and growing and what you're doing. They want you to do all of that legwork in the beginning, and then they snatch you up. It's no longer way back in the day when they passed me a cassette tape or eight track, or can you take this home and listen to it? None of that. No more meetings up in New York. They, they, everyone is watching streaming and who's moving. Who's a new artist out there that's in their own city is blowing up, and and then they're getting their song on SoundCloud and people are commenting and and doing everything on it and they they're growing and growing and growing. They're looking for people who already have growth. So, so basically, if you're an artist and you're trying to get put on, you got to make sure your fine foundation, as Dorothy Norwood would say, you got to make sure you're standing on a solid foundation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to do the legwork. You got to do and the legwork. And sometimes people work. are lazy. They don't want to put in the work. And that's, and yeah, and it doesn't really work out for those people. Let me ask you this because, and I'm not going to put the artists out there, but I remember working in radio and you'll have an artist that's late, high drunk, you know, just got bad attitude as a record rep. How do you deal with that? Um, it's rough. And I've had some here lately with some of those adjectives you just named. Hi, late. Don't really get 
why they're doing radio. I've even had one lately to say in an interview, I don't listen to the radio. So it's rough. It's rough. You know, we talk about media training. I was out with those guys that I just, I didn't mention their names, but I was out with some with artists here in the last couple of months. And now our, our department have gone back to their management and the company to say they need more media training or they need better media training because the things they're saying, the way they're acting, their body language, what, how they're talking. And I mean, you can just tell they've cur- they cursing, doing all of that. You can tell they just either don't know or don't want to know or don't care. Just raw. Yep. And, mm. and they're doing well underground. Their sales are good. Their streams are good. Some of them could care less. You know, and I was just getting ready to say that probably if they're, you know, because, you know, I, I don't want to dump on the younger generation because then I sound like I'm old. But right. it seems that, you know, a lot of times with this with this newer generation, not only you not want to put in the work, not all, but some, but then they just don't get the big picture. All they know is I'm getting paid. I got this. I got that. But they don't understand the game because mm. it, after all, it is a business. They, they, they seem tend to live a microwave life. They want it fast. Instant. Instead of instant gratification. Of yes, instant gratification. Uh, but this young lady I was just moving around with, Victoria Monet, she gets it. She knows. Yeah. Um, and she's been around before, before she signed with RCA. She she worked pre- previously with Ruben Rodriguez, rest in peace to him. Um, yes. She worked with him before she signed with us. So she knows, and I just can tell how hungry she is and she wants it. Um, but even back a while back, and I'm not going to call any names, although I do a little bit in the book. <laughs> I've had one, you know, a couple that didn't want to get up to go do morning radio. They had every excuse in the book. And I explained to them how important morning radio is. That's drive time. People are on their way to work. They're going to hear your record or your interview or whatever. You 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 know, morning radio is like one of the best times in the world to be on the radio. So don't, you know, not go to morning radio. Or when they do come, they half sleep or groggy. Yeah, and don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I will never ever forget years ago working in radio and Jennifer Hudson was out. This was before, really, before she really blew up. And it was early, girl. I mean, early, maybe in the at seven something, like on mm-hmm. a Monday. Oh, wow. And honey, she came and she was just as down to earth as she is now. Mm-hmm. But when, I don't know, somebody said, can you sing a little something? When I oh, tell yeah. you, I was like, you know what? She's going to be huge because not only did she had the personality, but she could blow. I mean, it's just amazing. I work just amazing that raw talent, right? Yes, ma'am. I worked with Jennifer. Mm. <laughs> Jennifer. Now she got a television show. Wow! With all the American Idol people <laughs> winners, Fantasia oh, on there, Fantasia. Yeah, and I love her down to earth. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this book. The title of the book is for the number four, the record, and the subtitle is the memories and music of my life. What was the idea or what happened that made you say, you know what, I'm about to write me a book? Now, really and truly, the very first thing was my journalism courses that I took at Texas Southern University. Okay. Hey. Was my favorite course, and I made a lot of A's in there. I liked writing. I liked just writing. I don't care if I'm just sitting around 
writing my name down over and over. I just liked writing. Uh, it was always interesting to me. And then fast forward, my mom wrote an article in our newspaper about uh, my grandfather's funeral home business. Now, with your question, journalism is the first thing that made me want to write a book years ago. Um, didn't really start getting serious or thinking about it until maybe like 10 years ago. Um, it had been on my mind forever. Um, but the first thing I wanted to write about did involve my grandfather having a fifth grade education in Mississippi um, and opened a grocery store first and then later opened a funeral home, which while I'm speaking to you right now, August will mark 93 years that that black owned family business is still successfully being run by my brother. And, and what's the name of it again? J.F. Brittenham and Son Funeral Home in Holly Springs, Mississippi. 93 years. years. Wow. 93 years. That's amazing. Yeah. That's um, a business that never goes out of business, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about that. That was the first thing I wanted to talk about. I, I want to talk about uh, growing up in Mississippi and me experiencing racism and segregation with the school system. And just, I, I went through quite a bit um, and it was a lot to, to take in. So it made me start like writing stuff down way back then. I find papers everywhere that I just been making little notes forever. And then, you know, going to Texas Southern University, going away on my own that far away from home and from my family. It was pretty far, like a 12-hour drive back then. Um, and living in Houston uh, and then moving back. And and then, like I said, it, I talk about love. I talk about loss, you know, losing people in my life, death, um, and just a little, um, a little abuse from, like, physical abuse from a boyfriend when I was very young. So I talk about all those things, but they all bring me back around and back to me moving back to Memphis and getting that job at the radio station. Isn't that something? <laughs> now, when you see it all laid out, do you sometimes think, damn, I can't believe I went through all this? Do you get those moments? I do. I do. It was very therapeutic writing the book. It really was. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people don't like to relive certain things, but I did. And I could see it as plain as day when I was writing. And I hope very everyone clear. that's reading it can see it as plain as day. I hope it's you know, they're, they're able to see what it is they're reading. That was definitely my goal. So when you set out to write this book with all your experiences that you've had, how did you go about trying to get it organized? Did you say, okay, well, this part I'm going to talk about growing up. How, how did, how did you, how did that come? What, what was your process with that? Well, for me off and on with all my writing, I was kind of going in the order of my life being born and, you know, but, I kept putting it off, starting, stopping, procrastinating, um, and asking myself, who cares about my memoir? Nobody knows me. I'm not a celebrity. Why am I writing this? And so many people would say, because there's a reason and you should write it. Everybody has a story to tell. But a good friend of mine, Neek, uh, Neek at night, she works uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. I don't know if you know Neek. But Nick is who said to me last year, I am tired of hearing you talking about this book. And Shanti Doss, <laughs> it's time for you to write. It's time for you to move forward. And Nick said to me, I have someone I want you to meet. And she introduced me to my editor. 
Hmm. And when Neek introduced me to Tamika Sims last year, we self-published my book. So Tamika has written six or seven books. The Ink Pen Diva is who she is. Out of She's out of Columbia, South Carolina, but she lives in Las Vegas now. We met every Sunday for like six months, sometimes through the week. And we put that book together. I sent her everything I already had, which was almost 150 pages. And wow. now 357. Is the so number. where can people get this book? So it is definitely on Amazon. Um, but my website is where I ask people to go. Um, SharitaBrittnam.com. And we'll spell that. Can you that. spell that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know people like, how you spell it? Is it with an S or a C? It's a C. C-H-A-R-I-T-A. Sharita Brittenham, B-R-I-T-T-E-N-U-M dot com is my website. And the reason I suggest my website is because it will come to me and I will fulfill it and I will sign it, autograph it and mail it back to you. That's what's up. With a bookmark. (laughs) With a a bookmark. bookmark. (laughs) Any chances of this book maybe one day becoming a movie? I'm praying to God, listen, from your mouth to God's ears and mine too. I want Oprah and Ava DuVernay to read my book. Oprah put it in her book club and Ava DuVernay make it a series like Queen Sugar. What You know what? Speak it. Speak, Speak it. it and it and shall be. Distance, Lord. And who would play you? Who? <laughs> girl? I don't who would know. play you? Oh, Lord. I don't know. <laughs> But I have I'm sitting here trying to think. I'm like, hmm, hmm. So many people. I, I'll tell you who people tell me. I fa- I'll tell you everybody. Everybody tells me I favor. I've heard Queen Latifah. I've heard um, Sherry Shepard's best friend. Kim Whitley? No. Kim Whitley. Yes. I've had Kim Whitley. Say, I love her. I've had people to say I favor her. I favor Queen Latifah. And there, there was one other one. She used to be on the show Rock. She was his wife. The wife, yes, the wife. I, I, I've seen, I saw her in something recently, but I know who you're talking about. Those three people, people have told me that's who I favored to them. I can absolutely <laughs> see it. So, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, retire. <laughs> um, probably just retired, and and I might be on a second book by then. Who knows? Hopefully, this one does what I'm praying it will do. It will lead me to, because there are a couple of things I actually forgot and left out of this book. And everybody says, oh, you got another book in you, girl. Um, so, but I'm not a thousand percent sure, but it would be nice. But I, five years, I want to be laying, laying on a beach somewhere in a, on an island, chilling. Do you think you could walk away from it? Something um, that you love, that no. you dedicated your life to? Yeah, but I, I just, I was just promoted in June and I received a three-year contract. So I know how old I'm going to be when these three years are up. So I'm probably getting my little ducks in a row and ready to hang up my cleats. But who knows? Who you knows? never know. God's right? God's I, I tell people like this all the time. You can plan the perfect picnic, but you mm-hmm. can't predict the weather. Absolutely. Outcast. Absolutely. <laughs> That's sure outcast. That's right. <laughs> All right. Oh, Sharita, I tell you, it's been wonderful talking to you and hearing about your life. Just an amazing journey. And you've got this book again. Tell folks where they can get this book because you got to go get it. Okay. So if you do go to Amazon 
it's the name of the book is the number four. And I want to tell you real quick, if I got a second, there are six siblings, um, six children in my family and all of our initials are CB and I'm the fourth. So that's four, the number four. And then the record is the record industry. So the name of the book is for the record. And then the, it's called the memories and music of my life. And it is on Amazon. If you do purchase on Amazon, you've got an ebook, you've got a paperback, you've got a hardcover. Yes. But um, if you do purchase it on Amazon, I just ask that people, um, once they've read it, to please leave a review. Otherwise, I prefer SharitaBritnam.com so that I can get your order, autograph your book, and mail it right back to you. With you want that personal bookmark. touch. You want that personal touch, girl. With the bookmark. The, <laughs> yes, with the bookmark. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Rita. It has been a, uh, an absolute pleasure. I, like I said, I know our paths have crossed, but you oh, know, yeah. you meet so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, you just yeah. you just never know. But I just wish you continued success. Thank I encourage you. people to go out and get this book. Do you have any closing words for anybody out there listening, especially women? who are out here fighting, fighting the good fight, trying to make their way in this man's world. Persistence. Don't give up. My grandfather used to tell me, never take no for an answer. There's a yes in there somewhere. I don't care how many no's you get. There's a yes in there somewhere. And just, like I said, be persistent. Go after what it is you want. I love what I do for a living that I've been doing three decades. I love it. And so if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that, Ain't the, that truth? the truth? Yeah. Mm. You are blessed because there's a lot of people out there working jobs they hate. So you are absolutely blessed. Yeah. And, and I also want to say everybody has a story to tell. So write it. Write the book. I got, I got pushed and pushed until I wrote it. And, I'm and sometimes that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Somebody just to get in there and get it done. Get it done. Stop talking about it. Stop talking. Right. And start walking. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Sharita, thank you so much again. Continue success and please stay in touch. You've got anything amazing coming up, like when this book becomes a movie. I hope that you will come back on this podcast and tell everybody about it and who's going to be playing you. Okay. I'm going to look forward to it and I'm going to claim that victory for you ahead of time. I hope you have a wonderful rest of whatever it is that you got going on and continue success. And I mean that from my heart. Thank you so much for the time. I I, I really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. You guys, thank you so much for listening each and every week. Please tell a friend to tell a friend every Thursday, brand new episodes the Olivia Fox podcast. And we'll talk again soon. The Olivia Fox podcast is produced and hosted by Olivia Fox. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Olivia Fox podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Follow Olivia Fox on IG at Olivia Fox radio. Follow the Mean Old Line Media Podcast Network at Mean Old Line Media. Get the Mean Old Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The Olivia Fox Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.